And that love's hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. Unfading hopes. When a person who is going through unrelenting disappointment, when a person is experiencing discouragement, one thing that happens is their hopes begin to fade. If you were to look up the word fade, you would see that the word fade means to diminish, to lose its brightness. That happens to a lot of Christians. Is they lose their brightness, it's kind of like the lights go out and you can't tell the difference between them and the world. They lose a little vim, a little vigor, a little vitality, some strength, and even sometimes health. Fadeless hopes. God wants to infuse your hopes today because He is the God of all hope. And the Bible declares that we are not to cast away our confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of unrelenting patience and hope. That after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promises. I want to talk to you a while this morning on how to keep your hopes from fading. Fadeless hopes. We are not those who are fading away. We are those that are getting stronger. We are not those who are barely making it to the finish line. But we are running with vim, vigor, vitality. We're living long, we're living strong, and we're making it all the way to the finish line. With our hopes intact. You see, hope, according to the Word of God, is having a confident and favorable expectation. When a person is hopeful, they're not like, well, I just sure hope so and I'm just wishing so. Biblical hope is based on the Word of God. And hope comes from the Scriptures. In Romans 15, 4, it says that we can learn a great deal. We can have comfort and hope through the Word of God. In Psalm 119 and verse 14, the psalmist said... I look to the Lord as my hiding place, and I hope in your word. When there is no word in my life, there is no hope in my life. Satan comes to rob you of your hopes, of your dreams, and of your vision. And he will use all sorts of pictures, all sorts of mentalities that come from the kingdom of this world to bring you down to their level. But I submit to you that God can change your view and change your vision in a moment of time if you will submit yourself to the God of hope. Somebody says, Pastor Mark, but I'm at the end of my rope. Well, I heard from the Lord today that if you'll trust Him with all your heart, He will renew your hope. He will revive you in your spirit. And He will cause you, glory to God, to fulfill all that He has enabled you to do. See, to have hope is to be intensely expectant, to confidently look forward to the future. 
See, the Bible says that now faith is, or now the Word of God is, the substance of things hoped for. The Word of God is our firm foundation that we stand on. Amen? And as we stand on the Word of God, which says we're healed, that says we're blessed, that says we're prosperous, when everything else points to not being prosperous, not being healed, but when we stand on the Word of God as a firm foundation and add hope to that, we confidently and favorably expect what we're standing on woo, to come to pass. That's an hour teaching in about 10 minutes right there. Be honest about it. Your hopes have been tempted. Your hopes have been tested. Every one of us. If you live in a human body and you're part of the human race, every one of us have had situations arise that would try to cause our hopes to fade. But the Holy Spirit is saying, heart of the bay, fadeless hopes. Unfading hope. Now in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19, I want you to look at that verse from the Amplified Version. And notice with me it says this. Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It can't slip. It can't break down under whatever comes our way. Whoever may try to step on it. Whoever may try to cause it to fade, this hope, this confident, favorable expectation will anchor your soul. Now an anchor, what it does is it keeps a boat from going adrift. And hope is that anchor that in a turbulent time, when Satan is bombarding your soul and say, it ain't so, it ain't so, it ain't so, hope will anchor your soul and hold you steadfast in the midst of everything the enemy can throw you in. Say it with me. Hope is an anchor that holds me firmly in place. Hope keeps me at rest. It keeps me firm and steady. Oh, glory to God. Now in 1 Corinthians thirteen seven, I want you to notice that. This is our text. I don't have a long word for you today, but I've got a good one. And I've got a word that will encourage your soul and that will ignite your hopes. You know, it's important that you and I walk in love. And our love walk is connected really to unfading hopes. You know, it's easy to give up on loved ones. They're coming in at 2, 3 in the morning, drunk as a skunk, high on crack. You know, whatever the case may be, it may not be that severe, but your loved ones, instead of coming to church, are, you know, held up in bed at bedside assembly. It's easy to give up. It's easy to give up if you get a bad report from a doctor. It's easy to give up in the midst of a chronic condition. But if you're really walking in the love of God, you won't let go. You will not give up. 
Because, friends, there's more at stake than your emotions. You being strong in this day and this hour, you being filled with hope and Holy Ghost power is a must for 2011 in this time in which we live. This is not a time for the weak and the initiated. This is a time for the strong and filled with power. Now God will work with you. And He's going to bring you up. And for some, He'll bring you back. But you mark it down. Fadeless hopes, unfading hope is a must for me and you. In in amplified version of 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Are you ready? Let's read. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And it endures everything without what? I believe the Lord is saying, heart of the bay, keep your hopes alive. You see, we have a living hope. And this living hope that we have comes by the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And you know, if he was raised from the dead and he brought you out of that pit that you were in, You just mark it down because of the resurrection. There's nothing too difficult for him. Nothing is too difficult for him. Fadeless hopes. Not fading. Not diminishing. Maintain a posture of expectancy. Maintain an attitude of any day it could happen to me. Now I'm in faith. Faith is now. I believe I receive now, but I'm looking with an outstretched neck. I have a confident, favorable expectation. So three points today. How then do we keep our hopes from fading? Turn me to Psalm 42, verse 5. Psalm 42, verse 5. In the Amplified, you know, David was troubled. As a matter of fact, he was disquieted. In verse 5 of the Amplified, it says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why should you moan over me and be disquieted within me? He was having a conversation with his soul. He said, here's what you need to do, soul, is you need to get back and start hoping in God. And wait expectantly for him. And then he attached this, for I'm going to praise him. If there's one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to praise Him. Because He is my help and He is my God. The word disquieted there means to murmur. It means to cry aloud. It means to mourn. It means to be in tumult or to be in clamor. It also means to be moved, to be troubled, or literally to be in an uproar. This is what was going on in David's mind, in David's soul. Maybe you can identify with that today. But instead of just passively receiving all of those things that were going on in his mind, he had a conversation with his soul. Because understand this, that your soul is made up of your mind and your will and your emotions. It is not to be in charge of the real you. The real you is a spirit man. 
And he is, glory to God, directed and guided and controlled by the Holy Spirit. So he said, I had enough of this soul. There's been enough of an uproar going on in my life. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait on God. And that is our first key to having our hopes not fade is spend a great deal of time waiting on God. In Isaiah chapter 40 in verse 31... It says, but those who wait, those who expect, those who look for, and those who hope in Him, here's what will happen. They shall renew their strength and power. There will come an exchange of your strength for His strength. There will come an infusion of divine hope into your hopeless situation. Amen. It's kind of like Abraham. You know, Abraham experienced hopelessness, did he not? But the Bible says, who against hope believed in hope. When all natural hope was gone, Abraham exchanged that natural hope for a God kind of supernatural hope. And so when I spend time and you spend time waiting on the Lord, things happen. Something happens. I mean, atmospheres change. You notice what happened in this room when we really got into the Spirit? There was a complete change of the atmosphere. There was a complete change of, oh, it's Sunday morning, we're going to sing a few songs and receive the offering and we're going to get out by the time the Raiders start. And, you know, there, there was just, you know, there was a complete change. A complete change. And that happens in your life privately, too. I don't know about you, but this brother needs to be changed. There's so much pollution. There's so many things coming against the soul of your vision to try to bring you down. Oh, it's time to go into the high place and breathe the fresh air of glory. And come, there comes an infusion of hope to where all of a sudden things you didn't see before, now you see. Things you couldn't hear before. You start hearing. Things that you thought were impossible now look easy. It happened to me a week ago. Quite frankly, there were some things that really looked difficult to me as a pastor. But when I went to Branson and I got in the atmosphere of glory. And I got under the spout where the glory was coming out. And I let the chocolate basata. And I let the word of Christ dwell in me richly. All of a sudden... That which was narrow in my spirit started to get enlarged. And all of a sudden, I could see clearer and I could hear better. But it came from the Holy Spirit. Now, I dare say if the pastor needs some change, you need some change. We all need to exchange our natural strength for his supernatural strength. So the first thing that I want you to do to keep your hopes from fading is spend a great deal of time waiting on the Lord. In Lamentations 3 and verse 21, he says, This is what I will recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. In the Amplified, he says, By this I recall and therefore I hope and I have a great expectation. Now, if you read that in its context today, you will see that he was reminding himself of the mercy of God. 
He was reminding himself of the faithfulness of God. He said, they're anew every morning. And at the end of those passages, he says, therefore, with great confidence, will I hope all the more. I will have a greater expectation in the Lord because he is my portion. Have you spent time waiting on God this past week? Are you going to spend time waiting on God this week? Waiting on God is not wasted time. Waiting on God is a wonderful investment. So I encourage you that you will keep your hopes from fading when you wait on Him. Secondly, just stay glad. If you want to keep your hopes from fading, stay glad and stay full of joy. Look over at uh, Hebrews, or actually Proverbs 10, verse 28. Stay full of joy. Stay glad. Stay happy. The people that are walking around and saying, yes, I have hope. I sure hope it works out. That's not Bible hope. That's just wishful thinking. Notice with me in, in Proverbs 10, 28. Are you ready? Let's read. It says, the hope of the uncompromisingly righteous, the upright in right standing with God is what? Notice it's not sadness. But the hope of the righteous, what is it? It's gladness. Have you ever been to a funeral of someone that didn't know the Lord? You know what was, that room was full of? That room was full of sadness. Now, why was that? Because there was no hope. I mean, no hope at all. No hope for heaven when a person doesn't know the Lord. I'm not a universalist here, by the way. I don't believe that every person's going to go to heaven. But only those who call upon the name of the Lord. Those who call the Lord who He really is, Jesus. Not Muhammad and not Buddha and not Sun Young Moon, heaven forbid. But only those who call on the name of Jesus. Only those are going to be saved. As good as people are. And as much money as they may give to charity. If they don't know the Lord, they're not going to make heaven. The only hope behind, beyond the graves, brothers and sisters, is knowing Jesus as your Lord. And I, I don't like going to funerals like that. Don't even ask me to do a funeral like that. All you can do in a setting like that is encourage the ones that are left. Because it's their decision time. On the other hand, I've been to funerals where people serve the Lord 24-7. 365 days a year. You know, Brenda and I were out seeing Mother Pauline Monday. You know, Mother Pauline's 102. 102. At 100 years old, she was in the church dancing in the spirit. 100 years old. And she'd always ask for prayer for her trick knee. Not necessarily because she wanted to feel better, but so when she came to church, she could dance. I will guarantee you, when Mother Pauline goes on to be the Lord... Oh, there's going to be tears, but you know what they're going to be? They're going to be tears of celebration and tears of joy and tears of gratitude. 
Now, I'm not saying that at the funeral of a righteous person, there shouldn't be tears because from the natural point of view, you're going to miss people. But you know what? We don't sorrow as others that have no hope. We don't sorrow like them that have no hope. Why? Because we know we're going to see them again. And the hope of the uncompromisingly righteous is gladness. Amen. When you have a confident, favorable expectation, it's going to put some vim and vigor in your life. It's going to put some spring in your step. It's going to put some bounce in your life. Amen. Say it with me, the joy of the Lord. It is my strength. Look at Romans 15, verse 13. This is my prayer for you regularly, on a regular basis, Heart of the Bay. And that is this. May the God of your hope so fill you with joy in peace, in believing, through the experience of your faith, that by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may be abounding and overflowing and bubbling over with hope. So if you want to keep your hopes from fading, stay full of joy. And stay full of peace. You know, when you're driving down the road in your automobile, there's a couple gauges you need to keep your eyes on. One is your gas level. When that gets near E, you better pull over and fuel up. The other one is your oil gauge, right? Well, there's two gauges gauges on the road of life that we must pay attention to. And that's our joy level. And that's our peace level. Because when there's joy and when there's peace, there's also a bubbling over with hope. And then thirdly, I want you to turn with me real quickly today over to Ephesians, the second chapter in the 19th verse. A third major key to keeping your hopes from fading and to operate in fadeless hope is to remember your covenant. Did you know that we have a covenant with a covenant-keeping God? Say it with me. I have a covenant with a covenant-keeping God. Chronicles 16 and 15 says that we are to be mindful always of His covenant. Now notice with me in Ephesians, the second chapter and the 19th verse. It says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and fellow and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the household of God. And let's look back at verse 12. It says that at that time ye were without Christ in verse 12, Ephesians 2 verse 19. Good looking guy there. Wow. Hey, I like me now. Ephesians 2.19. You didn't think that was funny, huh? All right. Now let's go back to the King James. Go back to the King James, if we would. Thank you up there. 2.12. King Jimmy. There's King Mark. I wonder if the Lord will keep my hair until until he returns. Ephesians 2.12, King James Version. 
Ephesians 2.12. All right. Good job up there. I'm just joking with you. All right. Okay. Let's read it. You ready? It says that at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. When you're a stranger to the covenant, you beg for provision and provision doesn't come. When you're a stranger to the covenant, you beg for healing and healing doesn't come. But you and I are in covenant with God. And covenant is a two-way street. And when you do your best to keep the terms of the covenant on your side, he will keep his covenant at all times. Now, when you become covenant-minded as a way of life, it'll keep your hopes from fading. We need to get him on our mind. Get his word on our mind. Get that doctor's report off your mind. Get that child that's rebelling off your mind. Get this economy and all that's going on in this world, in that particular arena, get it off your mind. And get him on your mind. Get His Word in your heart. Get His Word in your mind. Let Him fill you to the very full of His Word. Remember His covenant. Now, when you start getting that way, the devil start talking. But you know, when he starts talking, you got to talk back. You got to do some talking. Never allow the devil to have the last word. Speak up. Declare. Verbalize. Whether you feel like it or not, talk the word. Now here's what happens. As you articulate, as you verbalize, as you declare, as you speak your covenant the atmosphere around you begins to change. And the angels go to work on your behalf. That's why he said, hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering. Did you know that the word faith in Hebrews 10.23 is hope? He says, hold fast to your hope without wavering. The Amplified says, Let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope that we cherish and that we confess. Hold on to the word. Don't let it slip. And in closing, I want you to turn to Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 11 and verse 12. So talk your hopes. Don't waver. Hold fast to them. Retain them. Don't let them go. In Zechariah chapter 9 verse 11 it says, And as for thee, he's talking to the children of Israel. That's the context of this. He said, Because of the blood of the covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit where therein was no water. Think about it for a moment. 
The children of Israel were beaten by the Egyptians. They were held in Babylonian captivity. The children of Israel were always kept down by its ancient enemies. And the Bible said, I delivered them from a waterless pit. What they would do is they would put them into dungeons. And they would put them into pits where there was just simple miry clay. And that pit represented a place of bondage. It represented a place of depression. It represents for us today a place where the enemy just wants to bring you down and keep you down. Now, if you're looking to the world system to lift you up out of the pit, you're going to be waiting a long time. Because this world system is not designed, nor does it have the power to deliver you from the pit of destruction and bring you to a place of confident, favorable expectation. Are you listening? And so what he's saying is, I'm going to deliver my people out of that waterless pit. And I'm going to bring them into a place of safety and a place of protection And I'm going to ask them and call them to return to the stronghold. And the next verse it says, return now to the stronghold. What does the stronghold mean? Well, in that context, the stronghold for the children of Israel was the city of Jerusalem and it was where the temple was. The temple meant everything to the, the children of Israel. The city of Jerusalem was their city. And when they were brought out of the waterless pit and brought into that place of stronghold, that place of safety, and that place of protection, you got to know that their help, hope was renewed, their help was revived, and there was some dancing in the streets. And let's bring this over to you and I in this hour and in this day. You and I were one time in that pit of destruction. We were in that pit where there was no water. We were in that place of darkness. But oh, one day, Jesus came along, saved us from our sins, and lifted us out of the pit and brought us a mighty long way. I'm telling you, God brought you and me a mighty long way. Has He brought you a mighty long way? Has He brought you from the waterless pit into rivers of living water? Has He brought you from the waterless pit into the place of safety, the place of protection? Oh, glory. Hallelujah. I tell you what will revive your hope. And what will renew your hope and keep them from fading is just remember what God's already done for you. Kirk Franklin sings a song and part of the verse is, he brought me a mighty long way. And I can hear the Holy Ghost saying today, he's brought us a mighty long way. He's brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He brought you a mighty long way. He brought you from the pit and caused you to sit together with Christ in heavenly places. That's a long way. From the pit. Now you're sitting. With Him in heavenly places. So when that depression and when that unrelentless disappointment tries to get a hold of you, you just take the devil outside and say, Devil, you want to rumble? You ready to rumble? I want to take you over to some altars in my life. 
This was back in 1974 when my body was full of heroin. But in 1975, Jesus came along and saved me and cleaned me up and set my feet a dancing. You want a rumble, devil? You want some of this? God brought me a mighty long way. And I don't know what your testimony is, but your testimony is he's brought you a mighty long way. And if he's brought you this far, he's not going to let you go. His hand is upon you. It ought to revive your hope. It ought to renew your soul today. Woo! Glory to God. You want a rumble, devil? Here's what the Lord did for me. Now, I don't know what the Lord did for you, but I know he's done something good for you. I said, I know he's done something good for you. For the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. And he's no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he'll do for all. Hallelujah. You look at it, you want, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me, devil? Come on outside, boy. Let me show you what God did in 1982 for us. Brought us from Minnesota to California. Brought us from a dry land into a land flowing with milk and honey. Are you talking to me, devil? Let me show you what he did in 2007. When they said it could never happen in the Bay Area. Where a faith church could never own their own church. Are you talking to us, devil? Come on outside. Let me show you this place. Let me show you what the Lord has done. And I can point to person after person in this house today. He has done great things. <laughs> he brought you a mighty long way, Jimmy. Pastor Tom, he brought you a mighty long way. Honey, he took you a mighty long way. He took you from Pawnee to the Bay Area. Hallelujah. He's brought you a mighty, mighty long way from the pit to the pulpit. Hallelujah. Some of you puked your guts out on alcohol and drugs for years and years. But he took you from the toilet, gave you a ministry, and put you into the pulpit. Hallelujah. Shall we give the benediction? I'm not here playing church. I'm just here to tell you God's a good God. He brought you a mighty long way. He's a mighty good God. Woo! Shekabasaka! Glory to God! Glory to God! Glory to God! The devil come along and say, yeah, but look, this is what the doctors say. This is what the financial thing says. This is what they say. I don't care what they have to say. I'm going by what God's word has to say. The devil's telling you you're going to die young. The devil's telling you you're not going to finish your course. I'm telling you what, he brought me a mighty long way and he's going to take me all the way to the finish line. I'm going all the way, Raul. I am going all the way. How about you? Anybody coming with me? Anybody going all the way to the finish line? Glory to God. Woo! All the way. We're going all the way. We ain't going part way. We're going all the way. Oh, glory to God. Oh, 
all the way, Jamar. You're going all the way. Vern, you're going all the way. You're going to finish your course. The course ain't going to finish you. You guys are going all the way. You're going all the way, Raul. You're going all the way. Say it with me real strong. I'm going. I'm going all the way. But our hope shall not fade. I'll hold fast. I will retain. God's taking me all the way. All the way. Kirk Franklin says, I've been looking for you. He's brought us a mighty long way. Well, I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. He's brought me home. I want to tear this building up today. Glory to God. Woo. Be seated. Oh, Rabashata. Glory to God. A mighty long way. Mighty long way. We serve a mighty God. Brings us a mighty long way. Well, I got some ways to go. You bet you do. But he is the Alpha, the Omega, the author, the finisher, the beginning and the end. He'll see to it that you make it. That's holy sweat. I'm thinking about bottling and putting the books. All right. Zechariah verse 12. 9 verse 12. Are you ready? This is an encouraging word for you this morning. So he says, he brought you out of the pit. Now I want you all to return to the stronghold. Some of you need to get back with God. Some of you need to take that vision, off, your hopes off that shelf and dust it off. Let the wind of the Holy Spirit ignite your spirit again. So here's what he says. Now return to the stronghold. And he says, I think this is an interesting thought. You prisoners of hope. And he says, if you will return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope, I declare that I will restore double your former prosperity to you. What's up, devil? We need to have another talk. He said, I will restore double. Everyone shout double. In the context of this, he's talking to the children of Israel. He's talking about the forefathers, about Abraham and David. Those guys were rich. And they were temporarily in a pit, but God brought them back to the stronghold. And he says, I'm going to restore double to you. So don't give up, saints. Don't be discouraged. My God is in the restoring business. But I want to work with this final thought this morning. We are in extra innings right now, so nobody leave. And I know we got some setup to do for the service tonight, but you know, I can't stop a service just because we need to stop a service. Thank you for those three-week amens. Listen very carefully. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Now, the prisoners of hope is an expression used to describe those who have waited a long, long time for a specific prayer to be answered. Actually, prisoners of hope, that phrase is a little misleading. 
In reality, what he is saying is this. It is hope which is the prisoner. And that we lock this hope up in our hearts and we refuse to allow it to escape. The word prisoners in this translation is a Hebrew word which means to tie down, to hold down, to bind in order to keep in one place. The enemy will try to rip your hope off. But tie it down. Don't let anything take your hope away from you. How many of you have ever heard of a great preacher by the name of Dick Mills? Dick Mills is a scripture preacher. He could come into an auditorium like this. He could see this person on the third row, this black gentleman, and give him a scripture that absolutely fit his specific situation without ever meeting him. It's it's a miracle-type ministry. And listen to this in closing. Dick Mills said this, An airline attendant recognized me on a flight and told me that eight years early in church, I had given her a scriptural promise from the Lord that her husband would be saved. She had locked that verse in her heart and kept it. Her husband's actions and lifestyles did not encourage her. So she was tempted to give up, just like all of us have been. But she kept holding on to the promise as a prisoner of hope. Later, her husband was not only saved, but he began family devotions in the home and enrolled in a local Bible study group. Now listen to this. Her hope resulted in a double portion. Salvation of her mate and a future as the wife of the minister of the gospel. Dick says this, Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Because of his faithful promise, amen, even the prisoners of hope are hopeful. They should receive encouragement from his promise and return to the stronghold, both in the sense of a military fortress and in a spiritual fortress who is the Lord himself. Anybody have any returning to do? I know sometimes I've had to return to my hopes. I know there's been times where I've let some of my hopes fade. Not for very long. But the God of hope brought a fresh infusion of hope into my life. And the vision is clear. And let's pray today together. If you're one of those that need to return to the stronghold of the Lord, would you simply raise your hand all over this auditorium? Yes, all over this auditorium. You can put your hands down. Also, there's those of you here today who've kind of let your vision slip and you just need to get back to it. Would you raise your hand? All over this auditorium. Yes, several of you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the hand of the Lord would come heavily and strongly upon your people today. I've done my best to preach the word, to encourage, to inspire, and now I leave the rest up to you. Lord, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, as people return strongly and fully to a vital relationship with you, that there would be an infusion of divine grace and divine hope into the lives of your people this morning. 
Lord, I pray that you would enlarge all of our visions. Help us to comprehend and to embrace everything that you've got for each individual today. And Lord, we give you the praise. We give you the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen.